And we're on the KM podcast. Ken Brown from WGR Radio, Mike O'Hare, DetroitLions.com, as we talk Lions football. Hello, Mike O'Hare. Hello, Ken Brown. You know, our season usually is over by now. We're into the, whatever we're into and doing recaps of the season or upcoming draft things. I haven't even looked at a player in the draft this year. And I, the season, unbelievably, is still going on. Well, there's one more, you know, one more game, and then the then the Super Bowl, and the Detroit Lions are one of those teams that's one game from playing in the Super Bowl. I think it's pretty exciting. I really do. Let me repeat this for the back of the room that didn't grasp the, the gravitivity of what Michael O'Hara just said. Let me repeat this. I'm gonna say it slow for the for the back of the room. The Detroit Lions are 60 minutes away from the Super Bowl. Not going to see the Super Bowl as in the stands, not on TV, not on cable. 60 minutes away from playing in the Super Bowl. Have you grasped that? I've grasped that now. Just a minute, Ken Brown. 53 players are going to the Super Bowl, 20 coaches or whatever, a couple, maybe a couple hundred other support people, and then 70,000 are going to watch, go watch it. So, but there are some people that are going to go watch the Super Bowl. It's just amazing from the start of the season. Now, I'm, it's great. I didn't it envision great. this happening. Now, even better than me not envisioning this, I didn't envision them having a chance to go to the Super Bowl. They actually have a chance. This is not like 91. Like I said, I wasn't in media in 91, but I was at the game against the Cowboys in 91, and I watched the, the Washington Redskins game the next week. I knew going into that game they didn't have a chance. There was, yeah. there was not a chance. They had been beaten – at the first game of the season, forty to nothing or forty to three, whatever it was, they got they got a forty burger put up on them. I remember, so it looked grim. The Redskins were a powerhouse that year. This year, Michael Hare, from the game I saw last weekend from the San Francisco 49ers, that team is beatable. Oh, I think. Look, I think they deserve to be favored. I think that the 49ers deserve to be favored. But I don't fear them. And I, they, and I, there's no way Jared Goff fears that team. There's no way the Detroit Lions fear that team. Not, my, not, not, not that I can see. It would be logical. Now, you, okay, you're playing you're a slight underdog, and I think you know six points or whatever it is. I think that's slight. I don't think that's you know off the charts or anything like that. But I don't see any reason why the Detroit Lions can't can't go to them. They go they there can and compete then, with them. They can compete with them. It's a seven point. I think it's seven. Them. The game yeah. was seven. Um, well, let's get to that in a minute. Let's recap the last victory since from our last podcast. To me, which I thought was an easier game than the game before the Rams game. I thought this was – it was not easy game, but it was easier game. I thought that monkey off their back for the first playoff victory kind of cleared the air. And this game just was a good game against a good opponent, and they came out victorious. I thought they played well. Defense still give up big plays at the, at bad times, but they – Keep you out the end zone, and I thought I thought overall it was a good game. Yeah, I thought overall it was a good game too. I thought it was uh, I, I thought it was a tougher game that you know the Buccaneers. I thought that was a tougher opponent than the Rams, but I thought the, the, the Rams. I thought what made it tough, of course, was the presence of Matthew Stafford, and that added to it. There was nothing like that added to the you know, to the Buccaneers-Lions game, it was just a pro football game, and then the better team would win, and the better team did win. Now, the Lions almost made a monumental error in this game. 
and Dan Campbell would have been in the lore of same old lines if this would have happened. On their kneel downs, they did them too fast. And actually, um, the Tampa Bay coach could have called timeout and got the ball back with about 30 seconds left. But I think he had already conceded the the game was over. And I don't know if, if um, Dan Campbell and them made a deal, okay, this game's over, let's just get our three kneel downs and get out. But you can't, you can't go on the grace of others. They better handle that next time. He's got to take that clock down to, you know, five or less and do those kneel downs. That, that, was, too, that was too close to let somebody dictate, you know, him calling his last time out and getting that ball back. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if it was 37 seconds because they were uh, – he was talking about that, uh, was it, yeah, yesterday, and they, and conceded that, yeah, that, that they had made a mistake, but but it wasn't quite as egregious as, as 37 seconds, the no, way I heard him say it. No, nah, but it's just more football you didn't need to play. So I'm glad that um, the line – I mean, Tampa's coach decided just, you know, it's over. Like he said in the pros game, look, we weren't coming back. They were in field goal position. They had to kick the field goal, and we'd have been, you know, 11 down, and it was over. I mean, he's right. Just get off the field. I remember him – from the Lions bringing him and Jim uh, Call, not Jim Caldwell, um, bringing him into the the last two interviews for the job that uh, oh my mind is going on me. Jim Schwartz got. Do you remember when he came in and they let the media talk to him? No, I don't. You might have been at the Super Bowl then, Mike. That's why I think it was happening because it was remember it was during Super Bowl week or whatever, and a lot of reporters weren't there. But they let us talk to them, and and he was an impressive guy. I, I, I always thought good of him as a coach. I thought he coached a good game against Detroit this week. No, he's high, he's highly regarded. You know, he hasn't won the big one. As this is his second stint as a head coach, and you know he doesn't he does a good job. He really does. Yep. Well, that's for next year. Baker Mayfield played well, and but that's all TV is talking about. The Lions are I'm, I'm, for all you people out. Don't get mad this week. The Lions are not going to get any respect. They're, if you look at the four teams, three of them are perennials. The Lions are broken into that, you know, category now. So they're going to get all the love this week, Kansas City, and you know San Francisco is, and Baltimore always does. You're the new kid on the block, so just, you know, you're going to get little boy servings, little boy stuff at the table. So just take it and take your anger out on them next Sunday. Well, I don't really – I don't. I think there's a, there's a feeling about the Detroit Lions that they've earned their way in. Now they've got another game to go, and I I think that they've been looked on very very favorably in the last you know as this season has gone on. Yeah, but you must not be watching TV since Sunday because I'm telling you right now, they're an afterthought in this. They every they oh they barely beat Tampa, they got in blah blah blah, and they moved on. Let's talk more about Kansas City and Buffalo game. Let's talk more about Kansas City and Baltimore. Let's talk more about San Francisco. They're they're the, they're the stepchild of this because they're the new team. You might get one or two people to come out and say they're upstarts. They're not going to win, but they're upstarts. But for major part, they are not getting the, especially in the daytime, the media the attention that they deserve. And it's okay because this is how you get it. You go ahead and keep planting them and get the next uh, guy and win that game and keep going, and you'll get your you'll get your your media coverage. Well, they certainly will. And if they get to the Super Bowl, they'll get. <laughs> as much coverage as you could possibly stand. Exactly. And I say that in a good way, too. Did I say it recently in the last five minutes? The Detroit Lions are four quarters away from the Super Bowl. I have to keep repeating that to people. They don't oh, well, there might be overtime, so don't, <laughs> let's, let's just not jump. Yeah, that's true, too. It might be overtime. Let me give you another fact, Dan Campbell. I'm going to give you Coach A and Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's record his first year at Detroit was 313-1. and 
Coach A's record, his first year was 312 and one. Dan Campbell's second year, he was nine and eight. Coach A's second year, he was nine and seven. Third year, Dan Campbell was 12 and five. The third year of Coach A, his record was 10 and six. Dan Campbell has a better record in this third year than this coach. Who do you think that coach is? Well, it sounds like Jim Schwartz. No. Eh. No, I know this, this. You talk about a guy who's with Detroit or was no, with just an, a, a coach, an NFL coach. Well, so he could be from any any one of the teams. Is that what you're saying? Any one of the teams in any time period. No, probably Bill Belichick then, nope. something like that. Like, Bill Parcells. Okay. He is a better record at this time than Bill Parcells. And I'm saying it because he's basically from Bill Parcells' tree because Sean Payton goes through Parcells, right. through Belichick, and goes down to Dan Campbell. And he that's what I'm saying. People wanted to run him out after the 3-13, and even Bill Parcells had a bad first year. But they put their program in place, and Bill became a legendary coach, and Campbell has put his program in place. Now you reap the benefits from it. So all those out there that were scared or whatever, this is how it is. Well, it wasn't just the three three thirteen and one. It was three thirteen and one. And then the second season started out one and six. Right. No, I'm not. And what you what, what you might I, I think we probably remember this too that Sheila no, Sheila Hamp, the principal owner of the Detroit Lions, uh, spoke to the media for about two or three minutes. You know, during the during that you know one and six start period, and said that she believed in this team, this organization, the you know what they what the head coach had. You know the way he was doing. She thought that things were going to work out, and it took a lot of took a lot of heat off of Campbell and his staff. And then when they got rolling, boy, they rolled hard. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Well, this game against Tampa Bay did not come without a cost because a couple of players were lost. At least one for sure. Jonah Jackson was lost, and back backup tight end Bright Brock Wright was lost, and it looks like neither are going to be able to play this week. Uh, Frank Ragnow was injured but gutted it out, and he won't be 100% this week. But I tell you what, whatever you get out of him is going to be enough because that's that's one big-hearted center, and he played hurt, he played rough, and he played well. No, he's a good – he's he's probably the best pro, pro, best center in the National Football League. And, you know, yeah, he's been all pro a couple of times, and that, that, you know, that verifies that. Yeah. So the Lions went out and signed Zach Ernst uh, yesterday at their old Cardinal, and I think he won a, a world—I mean, a Super Bowl ring with the Eagles a few years back. He's a seasoned veteran, thirty-three years old, and like I said, I don't know if he'll get in the game. You got to be in shape, man. You just can't throw him out there. But they might not have a choice but to at least make him active because you might need him. You know, you got two tight ends on the roster, and if one of those guys get hurt, you, he's gonna have to play. It's just that's the fact of the game. Well, that's part of it. Yeah, exactly. But you know, he, he probably has been working out. I would, wouldn't imagine that. You know, if he saw some opportunity that he might get signed to a team at some point this year, that he, he'd at least work out. Right. And um, so that's what it boils down to. You got four quarters left at at the earliest. I know overtime, but this is it, Mike. Sixty minutes against the San Francisco Forty Nine ers, the number one seed, who. I know it might not end it that way, but if they'd have won the Dallas Cowboy game, could the Lions be ha- having a home game today? Possible. Yeah, that would be that would have been it's something. Or the 49ers, 49ers would have gotten beaten over the weekend by the Green Packers. The Lions would be having a home game today. So yeah. against the Packers, yeah, that's yeah. the look. 
Anybody, if you want to, you want to play football, come to Detroit. We'll, we'll accommodate you. Right. And by record-wise, I believe the Packers, I mean, excuse me, the 49ers were 13-4, uh, and four, I believe, right? And we were 12-5 and five this year, the Lions. So it's not like this, this big, you know, upshooting records here between the two teams. No, not really. And what are the, 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 the 49ers are, you know, do have, you know, more experience in these games as, you know, in, in this era now we're talking about than the Detroit Lions do. And you know, that's, that's, that, that might count for something. I don't, it doesn't mean much to me, to be honest with you. It's, you know, it's what have you done lately? And lately the Detroit Lions have been playing pretty good football and as good as anybody, actually. Maybe, except maybe the Ravens. I think the Ravens are ahead of everybody else in this in this final four. But the Detroit Lions wouldn't have to play them until they got to the Super Bowl. Well, that's why we got uh, Kansas City to do the dirty work to get the Ravens out of it this week. <laughs> that's that's what the that's what San Francisco. I mean, Kansas City's duty is to get them out of there, so you don't have to worry about it anymore. But um, so it's San Francisco, Detroit. Like I said, now before we get to specifics of the game or whatever, are you concerned with the Lions' defense going into this game? No, not really. Because I kind of have an idea what to expect from them. You know, they bend and bend and bend and bend a little bit, but they protect the end zone. And so I think uh, I don't. I just don't see. I don't see Brock Purdy being the kind of quarterback who's just going to shred the Detroit Lions. And whatever they're going to get, I think they're going to have to get on the ground. And the Lions have a good, a good, good. You know, a good running defense, and I, I just don't see them getting. Like I said, I don't see them getting shredded by that quarterback, and I think they can handle. Look, and they got you know, they've got a heck of a running back there. But McCaffrey, the Lions can McCaffrey's handle. a good yeah, player, sure. but he gets hurt a lot too. And I want to repeat because this, my statistician just gave me handed me a sheet. San Francisco and Lions had the same record at the regular season. They both were twelve and five. I forgot San Francisco uh, that last game of the season with the Rams. That when they nobody the wanted on. to win, they basically took the day off. Right, yeah. the one nobody wanted to win. But anyway, um, so yeah, look, the Lions are twelve and like I said, twelve and five going in. They have every right to be there. And to me, it's going to be whoever plays best on Sunday. I I can see both sides with great skill players, great talent, but I also see that. Um, 49ers have a little bit of edge on experience, but the Lions have a little bit of edge on youth. And one of the main players for them, Debo Samuels, is 50-50 to play in this game. And if he plays, his shoulder is still messed up. So I don't know what kind of production you're going to get out of him or how long he'll last in the game. But that's a big miss if Debo Samuels cannot play for the 49ers. Oh, absolutely. Of course it is. Yeah, he's a heck of a player. Now, look, they've got other good players on there. They've got really, really high high-end talent at the skilled positions on offense. And, you know, they really carry that, that young quarterback along, I think, with their with their ability. But I don't think it's anything that Detroit Lions can't handle. Not a Brock Purdy fan. Can I put it out there for you? He's a decent quarterback. But to me, when you play in the NFC championship game, your quarterback has got to be great. Now, he can play great, but he's going to have to. But somebody between him and golf – one of those two quarterbacks is going to play great. And well, my that's going to be the winner on, of the game. On, yeah, my money's on Jared Goff. If I'm allowed to have a, you know, just a mental bet, my, 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 my dough is on, on Goff in this one. I, you know, he's, he's played there before. It's not like he's going into unfamiliar territory either. He played there when he was with the Rams, played there once a year. 
Because so I, I just don't see him being, you know, being awed by playing at, at, in that stadium. No, and that's his hometown area, too. He was talking about it the other day. He's, you know, he's going back to family and friends back there. I guess he grew up in that area up there. So he uh, knows it well. And, you know, Joe Montana was his hero when he was growing up. And, you know, so he knows it well, and he'll be ready. Um, we'll get to him in a minute because I got quotes. I got some stuff to talk about golf. But, um, the, the, you know, these teams are a mirror image of each other in a way to me, too, because they got both got strong tack, a tackle. They got Trent Williams. We have Panay Sewell. Good running backs. They got McCaffrey. We have, you know, um, Gibbs and Montgomery. Um, they kind of they kind of mirror each other, man. I think that um, Detroit is a younger version of what they what the 49ers are now. Well, they also have, you know, like I said, a much more experienced quarterback too. I think that's, I think that's, if you want to tip it in one, you know, for one team or the other, certainly the advantage on a quarterback goes to the Detroit Lions. <sighs> we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to the golf stuff. I'm leaving the golf stuff for last. Well, just uh, lay it out, Kenny. Don't be afraid. I'm gonna get to it last. I want to get the rest of this out of the way first. Um, defensively, I've still want them to be able to handle these number of receivers. Um, at the last game, another 150-yard performance by a receiver, and that streak now has gone on for four or five games where, you know, guys are just going off the charts with, you know, with with getting used by the D-backs and the D-backs doing what they can. And um, Mike Evans had a big game to follow on with the, you know, the guys we played before, the Debo Samuels, the – Put Puka, you know, Puka from L.A. and, you know, Justin Jefferson. So I was worried about that. But I don't think the Rams have a, a receiver that caliber. You know, Auk is their biggest receiver. He's not near caliber. So that is a plus for Detroit. He's a good receiver, but he's not, you know, he's not up echelon. Which one are you talking about? The 49ers receiver, Brandon Auk. I think he's. I think he's a heck of a player. No, he's a good player, but he's not upper echelon like the Justin Jeffersons, the Debo's, the Panuk, the Puka. You know, he's not in that class. Well, what about Joe Samuel? You talking about Debo? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying if he plays, but we don't know if he's going to play. Yeah, but I, you know what? Though? I'm assuming he's going to play. Okay, but even if he plays, Debo's not a receiver to me. And that's the one thing I agree with C.G. Uh, Gardner-Johnson said about that. He's more of a running back slash to me. I don't consider him – I don't think, like he said, he runs these great routes and is a great receiver. He's just a – he's a p- football player. I don't. I, you, do you consider him a receiver? Yeah, I absolutely do. He's a receiver and, and at times a running back. He does both. Yeah, but I, I look at him as a running back that can go, can go outside. So, okay, what, well, if you count him as a oh. receiver, then, yeah, he's a, he's a big-timer. But I, I just – he's not one of them guys you put out wide – and he'll run the, the the route tree on you and get past. He's he's one of those, like you said, those running back <laughs> slash bully types, man. You get the ball to him, he's just gonna be big out there, and that's gonna be a good matchup because Gardner Johnson and him have had some uh, words before the season started. So I'm looking forward to seeing those two out there. But who hasn't Gardner Johnson had words with? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? He's warming up now. Right. Is there a player left in the league he hasn't had words with? So. It was strange, by the way. I just looked at the stats from, from Sunday's game. CJ, he had, he had one tackle. He had one tackle and one interception. Yeah. That's it. He only played, I'm looking at the snap count from him. He only played 30-something snaps, if my memory serves me. Yeah, he played 34 snaps. So he didn't really play yeah. that much. 
Those are a little different, yeah. He's, but, um, he's, you got to run all three of them because Melifonu played another good game, and that's like four out of five real good games for him in a row. Well, don't forget Brian Branch either. No, we ain't talking about Brian Branch. Brian Branch is a dog. Brian Branch, they're, <laughs> they're only missing a cornerback, a real number one corner. And between between Branch and uh, Melifonu, they had they had two and a half sacks. Yeah. That's a, that's a good couple of good young ball players. When they close that down with a corner next year, Mike, and the, just the learning process over the year, and then probably add another pass rusher, that defense is going to be stellar because they they're fast, mobile, and they're smart. That's a good defense to be. But I, I, I could not I could not agree more. But they arrived a year early. Like I said, you can't tell me they expected to be where they are now at the beginning of the season. You know, I, they, I just I'm not buying it. If they say that we could have we we knew we could be right where we're at, I'm not buying it. Because otherwise, they would have went more out at the trade deadline, uh, you know, to get these pieces or not. They they just it just sprung up, man. You know, sometimes you just get better fast, and I think they got better fast. Well, I'll, I'll go by what what uh, Dan Campbell said. He said that in the third year, he thought they could compete with anybody, and so. Yeah, they compete. Yeah, they can compete with anybody, but I didn't think they think they could win. Mike, they are sixty minutes from the Super Bowl against a I team. That. Oh, wait a minute, let me add against a team that, to me, is a toss-up game. Now you can put seven points on all you want. They go into that game with just a big of advantage that San Francisco has. San Francisco only has the experience advantage, but after that, it's it's, it's whoever plays the best this Sunday. Well, as it is, as it is on any other Sunday, and I look at. Yeah, but sometimes you could have to be play your best and still can't win. Well, actually, There's some teams that you just you know you just ain't good. This team, yeah, well, you know, when, when they play like their Seattle best, can beat anybody. The Seahawks, yeah, the Seahawks is one of them. But the Lions, well, for whatever reason, they just don't match up. Yeah. That's the way it is. Yeah, this is. Remember, we don't want any of that Seattle stuff rubbing off on the Forty ers No, this is a good matchup. All right, time to get to the Jared Goff stuff. Now, everybody who's listening to these podcasts from the first one to the last knows how I felt. Knows that I wasn't the big Jared Goff fan. I wasn't hating on him, but I just oh, I, wait did, a I wasn't hating on him. I just oh, wanted. I just felt like I wanted a different quarterback. Don't sugarcoat it. I felt he was mediocre to average. I'm, I look. I'm, I'm about to get my mayor Copa. Can I do it? I thought he was mediocre to average. I thought oh. that you could do better. I was, you know, I'm still a Ben Hendon Hooker guy, but I, that's for backup quarterback for now. And I still think he's going to help this team in years to come as a backup more than trading them off to keep them. You got two quarterbacks that you can lean on. But I have come to my mayor Copa that Jared Goff is the right guy for this team at the right time. He has his deficiencies. But I heard those guys in the locker room talk about Jared being their leader, and I heard the um, post game with Ragnow and Goff on the field where he said, look, this guy right here, he's not done yet, and – this guy right here, we follow. That's all I need to hear. That's all I needed to hear. Anything he did on the field doesn't matter to me. When you hear that from your own, the other part of the team, then you know you've got your leader. And that's all you need, Mike. Everything else you can, you know, he got the, t- the records of talent. But if he got the team to follow him like that, that's your leader. So all the haters out there, the Jared makes too much money, time to get rid of him. He's not mobile. You're going to have to get over it like I got over it. He is the quarterback for the future. And the foreseeable future. You know what? We're on separate phones right now. As you say this, as this, this heartfelt mea culpa comes out, 
with tears going down your cheeks. I want to look and see if you skip it. Are your fingers crossed? No. Look, it's hot. Hey, I like I I can admit when I'm wrong, and I can admit that he grew. Three he years. Been, what are you talking about? Yeah, he has grown on me. And you know, three years. You know the one thing I like about him. What? He's the same way whether he's having a bad game or a good game. It's an even kill that permeates to the team, and he doesn't try to play outside himself. He's going to throw a knucklehead interception every now and then. Just like last week, Tampa Bay got dropped. He threw it in the end zone. He's going to do that every now and then, and he's going to fumble a ball every now and then because he's got the baby hands. But well, Quarterbacks do that. That's what I was about to say, but. He's cool and calm after that, and if you keep him clean in that pocket, he's going to eat you alive because he's very accurate, and he throws a ball, a catchable ball. So I, my mayor Copel is there, Michael Hare. You can write it down on this date. I, I, you know what? There's a joke here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's get to this since I gave my mayor Copel. Who is going to be the most important player to win this game Sunday? On the Lions. The most important player? Take the quarterback out. You can say quarterback and somebody if you want to, but who is the most important player that has to come through with a big game? Well, someone I expect to come through with a big game. I don't know if you expect them or you, you hope they do, but I, it's players out there that have to play big in order I'll, to win. I'll, I'll, I'll take Jameer Gibbs. Ooh, that's a nice pick. That's a nice pick. Yeah, but you're going to have to give him more snaps, Mike, than uh, – 26. He got 26 out of 73 in the last game, and I just want to see him on the field more. And because, um, like I said, him on the field, it's a big play waiting to happen. And I agree with you. He's a he's very important for those coming up. No, but I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with what I have there, Ken. But he's not my pick. Okay. This is a Sam Laporta game to me. And oh, oh, look, you're excited. Um, well, that was my second choice. <laughs> I know you guys watched the game against Tampa Bay, but he caught nine balls. Yep. And just so he didn't have a lot of yards, but to me those nine balls were very important, and they just kept the middle of the field. They kept – not only does it keep the middle of the field open, it keeps defenders away from the other guys on there. And he, he, he can open it up at any time. And I just think that this game right here, because they're going to key on Gibbs, is going to get his. But when you got Laporta and Gibbs – and St. Brown will run that intermediate. Uh, it's like, that, that offense can be – it can be really good. I'm worried about the offensive line with the injuries, but that that that's a nice trio of talent. And then you put Jameson Williams in for one and two catches every week because that's all they give him. I must be in his contract or something. They can't throw to him more than once or twice a week. But that's fine. He'll do it. He'll get, you got to pick up the, scr- the crumbs and eat what he can, but he'll get his. But that Mike right there, and and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm leaving out, I'm leaving out Reynolds, and I gotta start giving him his props too, Mike, because Reynolds played a good Josh game. Reynolds, yes, yeah, played yeah. a good game, and he got 57 snaps. How, Gibbs has got to get more snaps, Mike. Well, it's a look, Kenny. It's a wide receiver versus a, a running back. It doesn't doesn't compute that way. It's 73 plays, up. regardless. Oh, who gets him? No, Montgomery got 41. That's- and Gibbs got 26. I like to see that equaled out a little more. If you got 73 snaps between the two of them, I like to see it 40, 31, 30, you know, 41, 31. So you want to look? You want to take away? You want to take away the touchdown that Craig Reynolds scored? Now, just to even the snap count. Is that what you want to do? I'll give one to charity. I'll give Craig Reynolds his one snap huh? if that's okay. what you want to do. 
But I'm just saying. Here, he a touchdown. I'm saying Mike O'Hare. He could have run, run all the way. He could have run all the way. I'm just saying Mike O'Hare. Gibbs has to be on the field. You can't score from the bench. That's all I'm no, saying. No, he scored from the field. Right. Yeah. And 26 snaps in, in this championship game. A go-home player, win a go-home game. I want my best players on the field. You well, can't that's what they've been that. playing already. It's been winter, winter go home for two weeks now. Yeah, but now nah, this is really winter really go home. The other ones were we're at home. The <laughs> oh, other ones were we're really? at home. No, no, the other ones were we're at home winter go home. And go home only okay. means go down the lodge. You know, go home didn't mean fly back on a plane dejected. This was go home down the lodge. Now we talking about winter go home, season over, we got to fly a five-hour flight back to Detroit. No, I want my best player on the field. I don't want to see a clean uniform from him at the end of that game. I think you're being a little overly dramatic. Probably. After my man cup with golf, man, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. After I had to, after right. I had to chew on that for a week. You know, how, you know how hard that was for me, right? Right. <laughs> but anyway, um, we'll do our prediction on the game Friday. But um, any okay. last thoughts on the uh, game this week? The matchup itself. Well, I think you know. I think we've moved the uh, moved the bar, or whatever you want to call it, on what's considered a successful season. I think anything that can anything can happen now with the Detroit Lions, and they've had a successful season. I don't care what happens in Pittsburgh. I don't care what happens in San Francisco. I should say I don't care what happens in the in the Super Bowl. Whatever the Detroit Lions have had a have had a successful season. I agree, and also got to give credit to another one of the players, and I call this team a child shall lead them. Because all the good players and the real difference makers are ones that were acquired by Brad Holmes when he got here or drafted by him. Right. You know, besides Ragnow and Decker, which were, you know, holdovers, the rest of that team was, you know, was are now basically just there. I'm not there, but they're mm-hmm. not the stars of the team. Stars of the team are the last three drafts, Decker and Ragnow from the previous regime. And that's good, which means that Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have their team. This is their team. Right. And um, we got to give Derek Barnes his props, Mike. That was a great interception for his first interception. Derek Barnes sealed that game. That was one. That wasn't that one of their. That was one of their draft picks. Yeah, that, was right. that was under one of their yeah. draft picks. And I'm saying he, that was a great pick by him. And um, he's a real nice guy to interview him. He's a real. I'm happy for. I'm glad when good people. No, good he's, happen he's one of the good guys. He's one yeah. of the good guys there. And um, you know what? Play like that could propel you to more. I'm saying, you know, sometimes Absolutely. you make that play and all of a sudden you arrive. And maybe he now when, thinks he has a, a rose. A rose uh, he, gets, and, he gets a lot of snaps, Kenny. More no, than I'm he just might saying, think. no, he might just take it to another level now. You know, when he, in his mind, uh-huh. he thinks he – because he's very deferential to Alex and the rest of the linebacker room about teaching him now. And I think now, you know, you take the bloom – you know, you take the, the shield <clears> off of him now. He might just explode from this point. We'll see. But – He's always a good player, and he'll always be in that mm-hmm. rotation. They got a nice – they went from the worst linebackers in the league a few years ago to now a real good young linebacking core. So I'm real, I'm real excited about that part. I told isn't, you isn't – there Isn't there an older linebacker from WJR who's on this team? Who is that? Alex Anzalone. He's not old. I thought you meant an old guy. Yeah, he's on there. Oh, he's, I said older. Yeah, he's it's older. He's old. the leader. He's the leader of that room. Exactly. Okay. He's the leader of that room. Let's not forget the guy. I was looking at somebody like uh, Trey Flowers or somebody where you said older. When, uh, those old. retreads they bring in from uh, 
Yeah, but you know what? Trey Flowers wasn't old when the Lions got him. He was in his fourth year. Yeah, the other guy was old. The, head, the referee head butter was old. What was his name? Yeah. Whatever his name was, he was old. I forgot his yeah. name. We ran him out. It wasn't Russell Colvin. It was somebody. I can't think his no. name. He was so bad. I remember I interviewed him. He like yelled Ken. at me. Ken, we're, we're, we're wasting tape. Yeah, we're yelling at him. <laughs> hey, don't you like to bring back the old memories of Patriot North Pass? Well, every time I do, you tell me I only talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's history. So, no, I've been, I've been banished. All right, my last question before we wrap this up for tonight. Michael Hare, we both yep. were at the last two playoff games, victories. Loudest that you've ever heard? In the stadium, in, in Ford Field. Oh, in Ford Field, yes. Which game was the louder? Uh, the Rams game. That Rams was the loudest. Game. Okay. Yeah. That's the loudest I've yeah. heard a stadium since the play before Reggie Brown got injured at the Silver. Exactly right. That's that, that was going to be mine. But the play before that was the loudest I had ever heard a stadium that I was in, and I, it Followed just by went, the quietest. I'm about to say it just went dead silent after that play, and that was the loudest I've ever heard. But I'll tell you right now, Mike, they have created a definite home field advantage now at the at the yep. uh, Ford Field, yep. and when teams come in now. You have to, Baker Mayfield said it in, at, before the game. He said, I talked to people around the league, and they told me what I'm about to walk into. Yeah. I'm proud by of By the way, right. Baker Mayfield, by the way, had a nice, had a nice game. He's, he's made a career for himself. Again. I, always thought was, I, I always thought people were too hard on him. Maybe he might not be John Elway or something, but he's a he's a real good quarterback. And I think he's going to play 15, 18 years in the league, make a lot of dough, yeah. and, and I, have a career. Yeah. I just think people you know, just got on him because he's very – flashy and he's very quotable and he's a he you know he likes his media and that's fine he's he's a red a red face too he likes to get up on you but you know what i like my quarterback like that like i say he's not daniel jones if you want to talk about somebody daniel jones i'm gonna tell you the other one he's not like you go Dak prescott playoff Dak prescott you know those are the guys you need to be talking about not baker mayfield because baker mayfield played better in his playoff game than Dak prescott played in his so there you go Let's get back on the trail. <laughs> I have been I have been freed. All right, that's Michael Hare, DetroitLions.com. Ken Brown from WGI Radio. I'm sorry if we rambled because we've never been to this. is uncharted territory for us, talking about the National Football Conference Championship game this Sunday in San Francisco. And we will recap it we'll, to give you the, the, the predictions at the end of the week. I'm excited for this week. I want all you people out there to enjoy this because this don't come often. Because, like I said, football, one injury can take your season down from you. So when you get there, enjoy it. So get with your friends this week. Talk football. Have fun. Enjoy it up to the kickoff Sunday. And if you're there, have a party. If you're at your house, have a party. This is going to be a fun game. Could not agree more. All right. That's Ken Brown from WGR Radio. Michael here at DetroitLions.com. We'll see you.